Hello everybody and welcome to episode 83 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, a video game movie that doesn't seem awful, dare we dream? Here today, Gone Tomorrow, Mario 64 Online's Brief Time in the Sun. Mark enjoyed a real good game with a real dumb name, Battleborn, we hardly knew ye. And the book club this week is a game that went into the distant future, a future with 3D graphics, kind of. It's F-Zero, let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, episode 83, from your friends at linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, be it Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. How are you, friend? I'm going to have chains, in, chains of love in my head for the next 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to, when we're setting up here, I tend to throw on Spotify and put on some, some hot jams mm. to get us pumped Get that pulse racing for the mild takes yeah. contained within the show. Although I can't and quite hit the high notes like I used to, so yeah. just... Erasure's Chains of Love is what we got Sounds like week. a dying giraffe. Anyway, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. How's your week been? Uh, yeah, not particularly exciting. I'm going to Ennis this weekend. I'm going to go... Continuing that streak and not particularly exciting. Way! <laughs> yeah. It's um, a very targeted niche burn on the people of Ennis there. Um, yeah, a friend of mine that I made uh, my time in China, mm-hmm. uh, he is back for a short period of time, and then he's off to, I don't know where he's off to next, <clears throat> he's been gallivanting around the world for the last couple of years, fair mm. play to him, so I'm going to go and see him, um, but yeah, in terms of this week, uh, I've actually, uh, quite a bit of gaming has been put in, so, mm-hmm. you know, when we get to that, yeah, we can yeah. talk about that. You've polished off some things and started some things. Certainly have. That's what about fun. you? How's your week um, been? It's okay. I saw the new Kingsman today. Ah. Just got released today as we're recording this. Went to see the first screening of it down uh, locally. Made it back to town just in time for it. Um, You'll Kingsman... be stunned to know that Captain Current here saw the original Kingsman last year for the first time. For fuck's sake, was it here? My Blu-ray copy of it? No, it was okay. at Laura's house. Okay. Um, yeah, so Kingsman the Gold <clears throat> Circle is the sequel to Kingsman the Secret Service that came out, oh, I want to say three years ago? Um, Two for sure. I think three or four years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and was a real kind of surprise package based on a, a Mark Miller comic. Um, it's kind of like, it, it's a love letter and a parody to old spy movies. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. it's very much, it does make fun of the Bond tropes a lot, but it's also... Heavily indebted it's, to it, Yeah, it, it pays homage to a lot of Bond tropes as well and, and and things like that. And The first one, like I said, was a real surprise package. Um, really, really enjoyed that film. Some some really good and campy performances contained within and some great action. I think Matthew Vaughn, who directed the first one and directed this one, is uh, a, just a fantastic director, director of action scenes. Um, and you could tell during that that A... Colin Firth was having the fucking time of his life. Yeah, yeah, cutting loose. And so, well, he's all about cutting loose. Samuel uh-huh. Jackson, as oh. always, in that good as, lord. Uh, Richmond Valentine. Yeah, he was yeah. he was quite something. And I, I actually my favorite part of the credits for the second Kingsman is at the very end of like where they list all the stars. Now, 
Samuel Jackson obviously isn't in this one. Uh, but it says, and dope thanks to Samuel L. Jackson, which I, I popped for a big time. But um, yeah, I don't want to give away what's happening in the sequel because it's only just out. Um, but the stuff you've gleamed from the, the trailers, if you've seen them, no doubt, is that um, there's been a targeted attack on, on the Kingsman. The only ones that remain are Eggsy, uh, Taron Edgerton, who is the star of the first one. And uh, Merlin, the kind of the Q branch guy uh, of Kingsman, played by Mark Strong, who I think is just a fantastic kind of disappear into character actor. Um, and they have to kind of like get revenge, figure things out. Um, the the villain, the piece is pay- is played rather kind of like uh, with relish by Julianne Moore, who is not someone I would have picked for maniacal supervillain. Um, but she's in it, and she really like camps it up as kind of like um she's this kind of she sounds like she's this real homespun kind of old-timey american woman because she's like she explains that her whole kind of layer is done out in this kind of 50s aesthetic and you're kind of thinking to yourself well this is set in 2016 2017 i was like why is there a 50s aesthetic she's not that old and she points out it's like i grew up in the 80s where 50s nostalgia was at its peak <laughs> <laughs> so she's not like reminiscing about the 50s she's reminiscing about 80s nostalgia for the 50s which i thought was a really really funny little twist on that um, and through the course of events, anyway, the, the, the Kingsmen come to encounter their um, American brethren and statesmen. Uh, and you have like some fantastic cameos in this or small roles from um, your boy Channing Tatum, uh, from Halle Berry, from Jeff Bridges, and from uh, Pedro Pascal, who would be best known to people as either Oberyn Martell, the Red Viper of Dorne from Game of Thrones, or uh, a lot more people might know him from uh, Narcos, where he is Javi Pena, the um, the kind of the 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 uh, Latino DEA agent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, what what else to say about it? Only like it's it's again, it's really good. It's not. It kind of reminds me, um, in a lot of ways, good and bad, of of some like the fun Bond movies, where the kind of if you stop for long enough to think of the plot, you realize that it's just kind of a retread of the first one, in a lot of ways. Because yeah. you know the way like Bond films themselves follow a basic formula where it's the same thing almost every time out, and the old Bond movies is just you kind of like you pl- you take out this part and you yeah, place yeah, it with yeah. a slightly different accented villain, you know. Um, so there there is that criticism too that it is kind of a retread of the first plot, you know. Um, and some of the things it does, uh, I'm not going to spoil just in case people have been steering clear of the trailers. There's a thing that's revealed in the trailers that I don't necessarily think they should have revealed. Um, because it would have been a cool surprise. Um, that kind of goes back on some of the, like the, the the emotional core of of Eggsy's yeah, character. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, and yeah. I I was surprised that they went back in it, and be yeah. more surprised that they gave it away in the trailer. Yeah, and it's great. It, like it, it's cool to like when it happens, and like I don't think it robs Eggsy completely of of his emotions in it because they kind of replace one thing. Uh, being his emotional core with another over the course of this movie but it's still like the action is still great in it the humor is still fun and crass um it looks amazing uh matthew vaughn is an like incredible director not just of um 
not just of of action but just like making colors pop off a screen like you know that um that scene in the first one with the heads exploding yeah. and it's just like the, <laughs> one of the most spectacular things you've ever seen yeah uh, there's a lot of cool little jokes in there and there's one thing I'm not going to spoil it there is one and you won't get this until after you've seen it there is a, a person who's involved in a recurring joke throughout uh, the movie who I think I, I think it's the best use of I think we said it on the show before about the Mike Myers theory of comedy you do a joke once and it's funny, you do a joke twice, it's not really that funny, but the third time it's funnier than it was the first time, yeah. and you just keep doing it, sure. and it swings to more extremes of, it's not funny, oh my god, they did it again, it's hilarious <laughs> yeah. now. Um, And I really, I was howling by the end of the movie, just like, like every time you thought that joke was done, it, it just, they find a way to bring it back again, and okay. I, I quite enjoyed it. And there's some cool little gags um, that will kind of, like, if you're paying close attention, will reward you, and yeah, just a just a good fun movie. Um, really Nothing weird that it missed the summer blockbuster season because it really is a summer popcorn. Well, movie. I feel like I was seeing that friggin' trailer for about the last six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw a trailer. We sort of saw a trailer for it while we were sitting waiting for it as well because it, <laughs> they're doing a partnership with Odeon round here. Um, for like I don't know, it's via, I I tune out when I realize it's just an ad and not a trailer. Yeah. So it's some sort of partnership they have on for the release of Kingsman. So while waiting to see Kingsman, we saw part of the trailer for Kingsman. Good times. Like, for sake. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, really good movie. I think that's the last big movie that's coming out until the end of next month when we have Thor, Thor? Ragnarok. I am. Which there is the the latest trailer for that was was on the back of this and oh I'm super super hyped just, for that it's so much hype and uh, then I I think they they had the final trailer for Blade Runner as well oh cool which is just like, have you seen good, have you seen the the short movies that they did the um so that there was a collection of short oh, I've movies I've seen where which, they have like they they have it done out to look like a VHS from the 80s those ones uh I think so but there was like there was a short movie with uh Batista and his character Oh, for Blade Runner. I thought you meant for Thor. No, 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 for Blade so Runner. you're doing little vignettes for Thor, and I saw a gif of one where they replaced a shot of Hulk with the Hulk from the TV show. Excellent. And popped huge. But uh, no, I haven't watched okay. the, the little vignettes so for I Blade Runner. don't know how many there are. I've, I've seen two. They've there's... released a timeline as well of what happened yeah. since the first one. But there's one with Batista, and it's just like... I mean, we've known of Deacon Batista uh-huh. since, you know, Big Dave since 2002. Since he was the fucking Leviathan. And let's be fair, back then, his acting range was... Mm, Non-existent? Limited, shall we say. And yeah. he wasn't exactly, up until about 2010, he wasn't known as being, you know, the most charismatic, the most outgoing, yeah. the one with the, the presence. Yeah. He was in that... Um, that- Kung Fu movie with RZA from the Wu-Tang yes, Clan, wasn't he? Was. he? Yes, the he man with the iron fist. And let's be fair, at that time we figured that would probably be about the ceiling of yeah, where he'd get yeah. to in his, his acting jobs. But he was great <sighs> in this, you know, like, because I, yeah. I feel a lot of people were thinking, okay, yeah, Drax, fine, that was a one-trick pony. Uh, Spectre, that was a Silent antagonist. Was his antagonist. name Hinks? Mr. Hinks or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's he's great in this. I yeah. you know I that got me super super hyped to see him in that and in other mm-hmm. things. And then there was another one with uh, Jared Leto's character. And every time I see footage of him from this movie, I just think of that tweet where it's like, I can't wait for someone to cast Jared Leto as a calm man relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like whatever he is, it's always got to be up to fourteen on the dials. Yeah, here's the thing. 
I appreciate <laughs> Leto's brand of just him. All right. Yeah. I I can understand he come he can be a very he's a very easy easy character or easy person to just utterly despise. Because the thing is, when he's and bad, he's real bad. Absolutely. Like I have no qualms about being on the side of that's absolutely fair enough. But at the same time, I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's very good. No, again, it's he the, just... right, the right role. And when he has a director, that will fucking rein him in. Yes. Um, and I think that what he's going for here it is very a lot more docile than what you're used yeah. to with him. Um, I think it looks good. I think yeah. that should I, all I work think out the, fine. The one thing I'm worried about is that that most recent trailer looks very action-heavy. Which is not necessarily what I want from Blade Runner. Well, like there's, there's action to Blade, Blade Runner, Runner, but, but it's, it's more not... about the weighty sci-fi concepts and the, the broader questions it's and, asking. And the 4,000 cuts of it. I don't see uh, Jared Leto delivering a, a, a speech similar to Rutger Harrow with his tears in the rain. No, you know, but I, I, if you're going into the I, film... If he tries, I feel like I'm going to be like... If you go into the film looking for that... I mean, you if know. you see Blade Runner, that's what you're looking for. Because yeah. you don't resurrect Blade Runner after all these years and not have, like, the weight of expectation Well, I mean, do it. you remember as well that I've only seen that film twice and the first time I saw it was within the last five years. So there is an emotional resonance that is not with me that it is for other people. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the it. The thing that has me um, most... Uh, kind of still excited about it and not just kind of like I'm preparing this for for it to be awful is the director is Denis Villeneuve who is the guy who directed the one of my favorite movies last year Arrival um and I think he directed um if you didn't see that he might I think he was the director of Sicario the you never you never no. saw that both excellent movies you should okay. you should definitely watch both they of them. just sound like art house projects uh no they were like it was emily blunt it was the one where emily uh, blunt is like fucking kicking ass as like a dea agent or something like that bringing two del toros in that and arrival was the sci-fi one from last year with um jeremy renner and amy adams uh communicating with aliens oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. actually speaking of art house projects uh, yeah, sicario was didn't even know we we watched about half an hour of a film um last weekend called the neon demon oh that's uh nicholas winding Refn, the guy who did drive jesus fucking christ it yeah. was so bad i think that was the, the drive guy <laughs> like yeah, that's uh, l fanning and yeah that, and, and i didn't get a bit with keanu Reeves in it but it's so art house so like style over any Nicholas Winding Refn any yeah. kind of that, substance that's, to it that's Nicholas Winding Refn like I didn't think Drive was oh bad. it's oh, you, you're, you don't like Drive I do don't you? like Drive at all yeah, you're, like, that, you're that one it's just it's an hour and a half of fucking Ryan Gosling staring smolderingly into the middle distance forgive me for my pants not dropping at the very thought of it I mean I kind of like that but yeah like it's I I I feel like we all got carried away with it. It's going to be another one of those, like, we look back, you know, years from now and gone, yeah, we got a bit carried away with ourselves on that. You know, one of those kind of films. There's always got to be one. Yeah, indeed. Shall we talk about some video games? Go on, then. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing, my friend? You've been playing a bit. Well, I finished Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. I I was sitting there the other night, and I'm thinking, you know what? 
I've done all the Divine Beasts. Yeah. Ganon is just waiting there for me to yeah. go in and... Just tapping his foot, looking at his watch. Exactly. He's like, this fucker's f- been 80 hours in can, this world. Exactly. Where can the we fuck fucking get on with this already, you know? Um, so that was cool. I really like Hyrule Castle as mm-hmm. as a, a dungeon within There's itself. So much to it. There is a lot to it, you know. I mean, I have. I didn't realize until the second time I was in there that there's a port in there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's what the, the way I came in. But I really like the whole. I mean, the whole game is centered around Hyrule Castle mm-hmm. in a way. Literally. That, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. In a way that the Legend of Zelda has never been before and mm. it really treats it as this look you just you don't want to fuck with it you know yeah. you want to wait until you're in a position where you it, can to use the words of the series it makes it legendary like yeah, it really yeah. makes it like it builds it up as this daunting thing and if you step anywhere close to it you see the amount of guardians that are there <laughs> that makes you go ah yeah fair enough yeah um, so that took me a good few hours um, I can see how and I haven't seen any of the footage of like the awesome games done quick, any of that kind of stuff to see them just like starting going a game straight from the opening straight, area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I can see how having to do the four blights or any of the four blights in a gauntlet and then dealing with uh, Ganon at full health uh, would not be a fun time. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy that I decided to take the long way with it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a game we're going to be talking about at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, yeah, I have a, a lot of things to say about it that I've said some stuff before. I'll say some of it for when we really go into the kind of long form talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, If nothing else, you can definitely say that Nintendo looked at the numerous flaws that Skyward Sword yeah. has and went, okay, we need to do something different. And, you know, they played around a bit of the formula with the 2D... Um, uh, link between worlds and i think that's a great game mm-hmm. I mean, but it's it is a, a reimagining of uh link to the past goes without saying i like that you momentarily struggled with the game that we named our podcast every after. single time every <laughs> single time um but here you know it wasn't just a, a reimagining of another zelda game it's no they have really mm. <clears throat> stripped it down started again went right how can we do this differently and obviously they take ideas from a lot of more kind of contemporary games yeah. and but that's fine you know mm. i think that within the setting of much as i suppose a lot of those games would have borrowed from older zelda games pos- like quite the, possibly the, you know the snake eats its own tail kind yeah, quite of thing. possibly yeah um but yeah it's i mean it's, i think maybe game. like before we move on because we could be, talk about this for for hours um but I think maybe the greatest endorsement of this game's uh, argument for Game of the Year is that it tricked you into playing an 80-hour hardcore Western RPG. This is true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that, think about that. Yeah. Like, although... although like, could you imagine playing 80 hours of The Witcher? The thing... The, the thing about Zelda is... Um, what gives it the advantage for me over other RPGs is the story. Is yeah, you haven't. You have Well, it leaves you alone a lot of the time. Yeah, and also you already have investment in the. That's true. The the world, but still, the story. It's very light on story, yeah. so I don't have to deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. I can just get to the there's, actual. There, there's certainly playing. story there if you want to go yeah, looking yeah, sure. for it. But yeah. yeah, it gives you basically however much of the story you want because you get if you go do that the, the the captured memories side quest where you're which is 
so fucking difficult mm. we're going to find the locations of all those photographs uh, you do get lots and lots of story about Lincoln and Zelda's relationship that might be worth looking up for you on YouTube at some stage yeah I think I got about 8 of them in the end so what there's 14 or yeah 15. so I got a fair bit of backstory yeah. and whatnot. but I mean it's nothing that I, I was trying to find those cutscenes just to see what the presentation was like and like the voice acting because I have mm. to say for, there wasn't that much hype around the voice acting but it wasn't as good as it could have been. Apparently, people say that the the, the Japanese voice acting is amazing. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. But uh, you know, big shout out though to Rivali. Yeah, <laughs> Rivali's my boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll we'll you know come yeah. back to that at another point. But um, uh, you started a very strange little game. Oh my god, this fucking game, Mario and Rabbit's <laughs> Kingdom Battle. What? <laughs> Just. You've been playing it for quite some time, and you still don't really know what it is. What I know, I know exactly what it is, but the fact it is what it is is yeah. what is just the fact that it even exists. Oh you know, yeah, I mean, I've I've only put a few hours in. Um, it is exactly what you you went. I should say I went and recorded our, our sister podcast with uh, with Jack Lazada to the Away Goals podcast. Check it out, Away Goals Pod on Twitter. Uh, and I came down and got the microphones. I reemerged three and a half hours later. And you were in the exact same spot. I had playing. been playing it the whole time. I had been doing some other stuff as well. I mean, it didn't seem that way. No, I'm yeah, and sure. There's no witnesses. So. No, it's uh, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, Stardew last year. Anyway, yeah. yeah I mean, coming into it uh, from everything you've seen, you think, all right, it's XCOM with Mario, and it is that. Uh, you like mechanically what the the core combat of the game focuses around. It is absolutely that. It's turn based. Your team goes first. The other team goes next. You can hide around in covers and you can be tactical with how you approach enemies. Um, but it simplifies it in that instead of with XCOM, you can have any kind of percentage for the cover. It keeps it very simple with 0%, 50%, 100%, uh, which is great as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that because there's depth in terms of how you work with your team, what team members you use, what weapons they have, Um like if you you can slide into opponents and then hang around like one of the corners and then pick them off and you know enemies interact in different ways so you have to plan accordingly with like enemies that charge towards you each time you shoot them um haven't seen too many more at the moment but you know there's still quite a bit of variety to begin with um the thing that I find the most amusing is, and we were talking about this, the way that clearly U- Ubisoft were given the Mario license and then had to try and wrangle a story out of it because the, the opening cutscene and the general concept of the game in general, you're like, okay, this is a stretch of the mother of all stretches and I can only appreciate Ubisoft for just going, you know what, fuck it, we have Mario, we have Rabbids. Mm whatever let's just go bonkers with this this concept um i more than a lot of other people actually quite enjoy the rabbits uh in the way that i enjoy the minions because it's pure like uh like you know slapstick um very physical kind of humor um and i enjoy that you know it's baseline if you want to say that but i don't care i enjoy it uh i think they're quite endearing uh, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a bit of thoughtful stuff, there's a lot of just in-game humour, um, you know, the interactions between Peach Rabbit and Princess Peach, um, 
the funniest thing I've seen so far, one of the first mini bosses is with Rabid Kong, mm-hmm. which is just a fucking sight to see. I, I have heard there are some absolute nightmare creations in that game. I'm with looking the rabbits f- being fused with various inanimate objects. I'm looking forward to seeing what else uh, I'm going to come across. I think Jim Sterling's one was you need to keep an eye out for there's a rabid lamp. Okay. That's just frightening. All right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so one of the mini bosses is with Rabbit Kong and you have to what, take him out a couple of times because uh, he pings the different parts of the map. But what you have to do first, because if, if you shoot him, um, he has a bunch of bananas with him and so he'll eat a banana and recharge his health straight away. Mm-hmm. So you have to get close to him to push this button which drops all the bananas like underneath him and he just freaks the fuck out about the loss of his bananas and it's fucking hilarious uh i yeah i greatly enjoyed that it's just i still don't know how this game came to be there's so many questions i have and i feel like this game isn't going to answer enough of them by the end of it um between the the boss the 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 in-game battles you actually have an environment to explore and run around in and it's very weird that you're mario and you can't actually jump but you know there's these little kind of environmental puzzles you collect coins which you can use to buy new weapons and you have like skill upgrades and that kind of stuff it's it's just it's a mario game but in everything well it's not a mario game in everything other than the fact that you know they yeah. just have Mario as the franchise to use, the IP to it's, use. It's a thing. It is a thing. And it's, you know what? Like, if it continues as it's going, A, it's going to get real fucking difficult. Yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> that from a lot of people. Um, But I think this is going to just, this is going to keep me thoroughly entertained from beginning to end. I can mm. see it. Uh, Yeah. And I've also got uh, the new Metro game, but I haven't started that yet, so... You know, okay. at some point I'll put down the one Nintendo device to pick up the other <laughs> Nintendo handheld device. Dust off that 3DS. Yeah, yeah, right. Because um, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Um, I will throw my tablet at you <laughs> every time. Um, the only thing I've been playing this week is very, very brief. Um, Pro Evo 2018. I decided to to forfeit. There's a couple of games coming out this year that I had kind of penciled in for maybe getting, mm-hmm. uh, and then decided not to. Uh, I always kind of keep an eye out to see if the WWE game is going to be interesting this year, but the distinct lack of willingness to show anything about that game where it's moving in-ring action uh, has scared me off, and uh, I am going to put that money that was kind of in my head penciled in for the WWE game onto Pro Evo because it's like 20 quid cheaper. It's only 60 euro for um, Pro Evo, and it kind of. I might have that one itch. football game when you can have two. <laughs> yeah, it scratches that itch while I'm waiting for FIFA, but long story short, it's a very good game. It's a very, very pretty game. Um, that Fox engine is just. It's oh, sad they could apply that engine too, by the way. With the only fucking game they make now yeah, is that. I, I suppose I mean, we'll get to see that fucking Metal Gear survive in oh, it as yeah, well. That's still a thing that's happening. But isn't like, it? it is a crying shame that an engine that looks like it was very expensive to build will only be used for Metal Gear Solid Five and Pro Evo games, really. Well, that's um, Konami. But yeah, very good. Um, recommend if you're someone who is mad about the licenses to go to i think it's pezworld.com because that's where you can download the the option files or sorry pezworld.co.uk uh they have the free option files if you're a ps4 player um or ps3 player to uh fully uh employ proper 
up-to-date kits and they, they'll do them for all leagues eventually but so far i think it's the top leagues in uh england france italy spain holland uh there's a couple of division twos that have already come into it uh, and more to be added later and if you follow them on twitter as well you get updates as to when the the, the kind of latest stuff is dropping but they're their high res logos and kits and everything like that are just bang on uh it's it's incredible the job they do every year and it's all free um so yeah i think i'll talk in more detail about actually playing it um when i have the two football games in a couple of weeks to compare and contrast against each other because it is a yearly tradition at this point that i do my ranting and raving about how they are similar but different um, so look forward to that. Shall we move on to the news, my friend? The news. The news. News on the mark. So, Mark, we got our first look at um, the new Tomb Raider movie that's that's being rebooted uh, by, I think it's Warner Brothers uh, in association with Square Enix and a couple of other smaller um, production companies that are making this and i gotta say my friend it looks pretty decent like i'm not saying it's gonna blow everybody away but have you seen this trailer yet no i've only seen the poster because you know that was the thing that everyone was talking about yeah like that was weird i was talking about that to, to brian today um well actually first the tomb raider movie is starring uh, alicia vikander are you familiar with the work nope, of one alicia vikander? not in the slightest okay you need to watch because it is one of the best sci-fi movies that has been released in many many years a little movie called ex machina Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is the girl. She is the the okay, the, the, the android. Yeah, the android yeah. lady. Uh, in that, she is brilliant in it. Um, she's an Academy Award winner, so she brings real kind of like heft to this. That that kind of, uh, I I think we had passed a point where Angelina Jolie was the interesting actress from like Girl Interrupted and stuff like that when she got to Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider the the original movie and there was a cradle of life was the sequel to it just yes like they very much seemed like movies where the people who had signed on board for it were just on there for a paycheck they weren't very good at all and they were just kind of hey look angelina jolie is a pretty woman look at her for a while and then the film will end here's daniel craig with one of the worst accents i've heard um but this one and 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 always everyone forgets rimmer as well is you know just I think what everybody should forget is the, the film. The, no, the the YouTube music video in association with it because was, was it Elevation? Well, because one like, of the f- it was the edge was superimposed into the film. Oh, oh god, yeah. See, I always forget that song <laughs> I think it's because Elevation. one of the films is yeah because one of the films is Elevation and then the other film was uh, a corn song which has quite which has a riff that I enjoy. But yeah, I used to get about Elevation, and yeah, I forgot The Edge, um, certainly. But this yeah, seems yeah, yeah. way more in line with the rebooted Tomb Raider franchise, uh, to the extent where they're actually using words and phrases that are uh, familiar to people who have played the rebooted thing. Like the kind of the 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 shadowy um, mercenary company Trinity, are who are in the, the certainly... Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's been many years since I played the the original reboot, but the Rise of the Tomb Raider certainly has a lot of Trinity in it, 
and uh, they are the the big bad in this film by the look of it the the the, the narrative with her father dying is is definitely in there and the um the the stuff about her being shipwrecked on this island is definitely there as well from the first one okay of the reboot so so actually looks pretty good i you know you say that with kind of like fingers crossed because we've all been down this road before um like remember how like you know the movie was no good the the franchise i don't care for at all neither really do you but at least visually the assassin's creed trailer the original one looked like okay this might be the, the first one yeah sure and then they spent way too much time like on the the bullshit in those games that no one cares about with the like the the abstergo and the the animus and shit like that i never saw it so yeah apparently i think it was only like a third of the film was based in the the the, the cool <laughs> assassin part <laughs> excellent um but anyway uh tomb raider fingers crossed i think is is the best way to to leave that but yeah the uh the thing you were alluding to is that alicia vikander became a meme during the week because uh people were freaked out by the poster in which she appears to have an artificially elongated neck she looks like a xenomorph but here's the thing is that like i look at it and if i think about what she would look like because she's very slender turning her head like that because it's a very awkward angle she's turned at firstly but her neck would appear elongated and it's not that much more artificially longer like they've it's clearly been tampered with Mm. that her neck is longer but it's not so long that i would have immediately gone to this is fucking ridiculous and like posting pictures of like di- long neck dinosaurs beside her and stuff I, like that. I don't know. As soon as I saw the poster, I yeah, my oh, it's eyes definitely were like drawn you, you it. notice it, but it's not like I was talking about uh, to Brian today about a, a similar film poster controversy uh, that caused a backlash and an apology at the time. So do you remember when King Arthur was coming out with Clive Owen in it? No. Okay, so this is fifteen years ago, maybe even more than that. And uh, let's just say, for Western audiences. In the, the, the poster, the, the movie also starred Kira Knightley. And they had somewhat, shall we say, inflated her ah. for the uh, for some Western audiences <sighs> on the poster, which caused a lot of very correct yeah. backlash Absolutely. about that. Yeah. Um, she was not best pleased herself, as I recall. Really? Yeah. Stunning. But yeah, it wasn't quite as egregious as that. No, but it's it more was, just It was still weird. just like... It was, it was kind of like... It was less... Like it wasn't so comically large that it the, the the neck that I was like, what the fuck? It was more just like, why did they do that? But also, that's what I was curious. And why did they have her stand at that fucking weird angle as well? So many games and films, like posters and whatever, they have that same pose where the woman has her back to the camera. Well, this but is then it looks Brian like- Brian's cynical male gaze look at it was saying that like the people marketing this film was like, we want a poster where you can see her face, but also her ass. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, yay, Hollywood. Another classy like, moment. You think about uh, Scarlett Johansson, The Black Widow. You look at any poster where you've got like the all of them there. Yeah. All of them are facing the front other than her, where she's got a back to the camera and yeah. then looking. I think also that could be like almost any movie, Scarlett Johansson. And she's a particular frequent victim to like all the ghosts in the shell marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know. But anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, were you following this Super Mario 64 online? So I read it, but I didn't follow it past knowing... Well, I read it and I went, well, that'll get taken down in about a week. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
the the original story was that you could start you just showed up that you could now start playing Super Mario 64 online with up 24 people thanks to a new fan-made project called SM64. Um, the ROM hack is the brainchild of Kaze, Emmanuel, uh, Melon Speedruns, and Marshavolt. It allows players to connect online, pick their character from a line- lineup which includes the usual suspects such as Peach, Wario, Mario, and Toad, and cause chaos as a group by brawling, playing hide and seek, racing, or just playing the game the way it's meant to be played. But where's the fun in that? Um, and they set up a Patreon, I believe, as well, uh, in conjunction with that to keep, uh, I assume, like server costs and uh, an ongoing uh, fine tuning of the game uh, in order. And no sooner had this kind of come out, I think it was last week that this yeah no, all no less than way to go. Uh, and this week, Nintendo's legal department swooped in and closed down the game and closed down. Yeah. Well, here's um, the thing, right? The Patreon. The Patreon, absolutely, one hundred percent. You can't make money off of yeah. Well, that's you, yeah. That, that's where I think it definitely crossed the line. I think you might have, you might have hoped that they would just. Oh, it was getting taken down one way. Yeah. Or the other. Um, I mean, because you can say you... although like the companies are because like fucking Mega Maker is still up, isn't it? Uh, is it? I don't know. Yeah, Nintendo like Nintendo are weird sometimes because there was that there was the Metroid one for the yep, Metroid, Metroid two one. that was there for ages. I I think before they eventually like it got to a certain critical mass of popularity. And they I took wonder it down. if just Nintendo wait to see what level of not- notoriety mm. something gets to before they say right, we'll take this down. Pokemon Uranium. Yep, that was, was another big was one. Was up for like a day. Yep. And got taken down. So, I mean, okay, so the Metroid thing, that wasn't finished. That was still a work in progress, I believe. Yeah, it was kind of a, like, it was, you would say it was in beta. Like, yeah, you could so, play it, but it wasn't finished. It was going around in shareware and whatnot, whereas, yeah. like, Uranium was a finished thing. This was a, well, I say a finished thing, something, something that was still probably being worked on. But, hey, mm. it was up, it was available to play, and there was a Patreon for it. And, yeah, straight away, I can't, as much as... Um, I dislike Nintendo with certain things that they do. I guess in a way I can kind of see why they took the Metroid thing down because they yeah. just released Metroid 2 in its, you know, yeah. reimagined state. Um the Mega Maker one at some point probably they'll take it down. Uranium, well, you know, you know what kind of cash cow Pokémon is even yeah, though I, I even think... though no one in their right mind <laughs> is going to play uranium and go well i guess i never need to buy another pokemon game again yeah you know like i think the um the thing that people um have a problem with is that it's one of those things where it's either all or nothing yeah do you know what i mean it's like they should be taking down everything or they should be taking down nothing now much as i like these these fan games these rom hacks and stuff like that and much as a lot of like programmers who are worth their salt will tell you that this is the way that you cut your teeth designing games is that you try to make you know you start off trying to emulate World 1-1 and Super Mario Brothers. You know, you, you learn the basics of game development by trying to emulate there. the games you've played, right? Um, but I at the, at the same time, like, within the kind of the legal sphere, Nintendo are well within their rights oh, absolutely. to take all of this shit down. Oh, you know what 100%. I mean? 100%. You know, I can't go oh shady developer practices it's like no that's what a business is supposed to do yeah. you know protect their intellectual property uh, it's just again when it's picking and choosing and only doing it when the game gets popular um that's when it comes off as wanton and capricious yeah well like, if, is the thing. If this, the this first one is definitely rumors, different because the, of the patreon this one is different yeah if the rumors of this game had come out before there was a patreon or anything like that like when people would have been talking about it somewhere saying this game is coming we're working mm. on it because there's no way that this game just 
boom, out of no, nowhere. No, of course not. But uh, if as soon as talk was coming that this game was coming, then the cease and desist letters arrived, then that's one thing. But it kind of seems a bit mean when they let people do all their work, let the game come out, and then, boom, ban hammer comes um, down. Well, I mean, I'd only heard about this for the first time last week. Yeah. So, um, you know. I feel like a couple of weeks ago, I scanned past a news story about how it was about to come out. Mm. Um, but I just assumed that it wouldn't end up coming out because yeah. Nintendo would have gotten on it, but it was up for a few days. Um, so I, I can imagine that some people are feeling very starry-eyed after everything with Sonic and yeah. the success of Mania and, you know, going back years with Christian mm. Whitehead and the iPhone ports. But, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Sonic and Mario at this point in time, they're on kind of different platforms in terms yeah. of uh, success, shall we yeah. say. Um, and you know Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo look, can strong look, arm look how exceptional it was for Nintendo to let Ubisoft touch Mario yeah. let alone you know a few kind of programmers out on their own in the wild and also Nintendo that. still know how to make good Mario games and so. I would suspect Nintendo are making a nice bit of bank on Mario plus Rabbids you know mm-hmm. um, yeah so it's, it, it's, t- it's a tough position because you want to encourage programmers and things like that and, and sometimes ROM hacks and, and, and things like that really help bring a game back to relevance like that metroid clone did really good work for yep. kind of people going oh yeah we love metroid possibly next time pick something that isn't one of the most famous video games of all time you, you see you could pivot like some other people so you could do um stardew valley is a like a a, a better harvest moon in a lot of ways or a better um animal crossing in a yep. lot of ways um Axiom Verge is a Metroid game, mm-hmm. but it's not Metroid. You yep. know what I mean? Like, do one of those kind of jobs where it is, but it isn't. Yeah, I think you maybe... take the, the kernel of the mechanics and things like that. I mean, you... I, I don't know what level of a ROM hack this is, like how much of it is mm. his own coding. But, you know, if he can figure out, if he has the knowledge of the feel of how Mario runs around and jumps yeah. around in, in Mario 64... You know, you could start off with something, making another character model and, and doing that. But obviously, the whole reason the thing got famous is because it's Mario 64 online. Um, so I just, I don't know how much more, how much more notoriety he could get with something else that's a similar thing, but its own original, unique uh, property. Yeah. So, but hey, like, it's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully someone will come along and I don't know, give him a job or something. But... There you go. Uh, the Nintendo Switch is a console that we both dearly love, Mark. I think it's fair to say. Um, and uh, someone else we, we also dearly loved is the the, the sadly departed Satoru Iwata, who mm-hmm. died a couple of years ago. We, we covered it on the show at the time. Uh, and we found out this week that there's a, a, a nice bit of a, a nod and a tribute to Iwata hidden deep within the Nintendo Switch. It's a shame we found out a few months after the, the actual date you can... Yeah, indeed. although, like, I suppose you could... Uh, I, I haven't checked it, but I'm, I, I'm sure you could... Um... Oh, there is no way to... 
I should actually read this story out loud, yeah. shouldn't I? <laughs> um, earlier this week, a secret game was discovered with the Nintendo Switch, uh, an emulation of 1984's NES Golf, complete with motion control support. Now that the game has been launched on a console and the requirements to get it up and running suggest its inclusion is part of a tribute to Satoru Iwata, Nintendo's late president who passed away in 2015. Users at Switch Brew have discovered that to launch the game, both Joy-Cons must be detached and a simple hand gesture, which looks like a reference to Iwata's famous direct hand gesture, must be carried out uh, and successful activation triggers a small voice sample of Iwata taken from a 2012 presentation. In a further case, the date must be July 11th, the day on which Iwata passed in 2015. And given that the Switch's time synchronization is done server-side, there's unfortunately no way to trick the system into thinking that it's that precise date, unless it's a box-fresh unit that's never been connected to the internet, which in tech-speak I believe you call airlocked, mm-hmm. that it's never connected to the internet once. Uh, given that's the case, we've been unable to verify it ourselves and have asked Nintendo for clarification. This is a cool little thing. Like it's a, again, it's a bit annoying that no one figured it out until after July 11th. But July 11th next year is going to be fun. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> um, I am very, uh, I'm very uh, uh, interested to see this game from the 80s with motion control support. I, I just hope that, you know, every single gaming website reminds us on July 10th next year. Hey, fuckers, tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, this is interesting. Justin Epperson, JJ Epperson, from uh, you might know him if you uh, are a frequenter of 8-4-Play, um, points out the inclusion of NES golf could be seen as an omamori, which is a term that's traditionally available at shrines and is kept unopened that offers protection. In Japanese culture, omamori are bought at shrines for various reasons. If you keep one close to you, it will protect you or give you good luck. So the idea is Nintendo embedded Iwata's game to watch over every unit. And that's fucking good. <laughs> that's fucking me up good right now. That man was loved. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really cool gesture. Um, yeah, and and speaks at least a bit towards uh, emulation on the Switch as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know not the first thing you need to be thinking about with the whole point of this. But still, it goes without saying that obviously emulation is on the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Firewatch developer Campo Santo oh, has God's sake this fucking thing got a bit of heat this week. Uh, <sighs> this is kind of part of the fallout of the the PewDiePie racism incident uh, that we talked about at length last week. I'm not going to re uh, kind of ha- rehash all that shit. If you want to find out what happened, just Google PewDiePie or listen to our show from last week where we talked about it exhaustively. Um, but as part of the kind of fallout from what he said, uh, I can't remember the name of Sean Vanaman. Sean Vanaman from Campo Santo. Now, Campo Santo are the studio that were formerly part of Telltale Games. They wrote the wrote and designed Walking Dead season one, which is probably still the most critically acclaimed thing Telltale Games have done. Mm-hmm. Um, when Telltale Games started its big, big expansion and doing all sorts of licensed properties left, right, and center. These guys left, formed Campo Santo Studios, who then released Firewatch at the start of last year, which was an excellent game. We quite enjoyed it. There's a yep. there's a long play of yourself, myself, and Brian sitting through uh, all of Firewatch on the on our YouTube channel. Um, and Sean Vanaman tweeted out that basically they were going to DMCA strike uh, any PewDiePie video of Firewatch to make sure that I think the word was that child can't make any more money off <laughs> our game. Um, 
And the reaction to this has been that um, it's Campo Santo have found their game review bombed on Steam, which is a tactic that uh, people do to make a game appear less good or popular. Um, they will go in and write negative reviews and that will affect its um, SEO. So it won't necessarily appear towards the front of Steam. And when people who have never heard of Firewatch before click onto Firewatch, now they'll go, oh, this is there's hundreds of bad reviews on this, so I'm not going to touch it. So it might affect their bottom line. And I, I think this is a case of, like, we're taking... We're not talking about PewDiePie here, but I, 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 my take on this all week following this has been that it's kind of a curse on both their houses situation because review bombing is dumb. I don't like review bombing. <laughs> <laughs> that is, Thank you for that, that steaming hot take. It, it's dumb. Switch, ne- er, not Switch, sorry, Steam are, they're trying Steam have this long history of trying to do things to solve problems that still don't require them to hire people to manually do things. Yep. So they now have announced today, just before we started recording, that they're going to have an automated uh, system that shows the progression of the the level of reviews over time. So someone could go on to Firewatch and go, well, this game was getting really, really well rated until last month. So maybe it got review bombed. And maybe there'll be like a little like picture of Felix's face at the yeah, point where yeah, it drops yeah. down to the bottom. A significant world events at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the bottom. Um, but then the other side of things, um, I have a lot of problems with the concept. However righteous the anger is at, at PewDiePie's racist incident, I have significant problems with developers DMCA striking people who are fair using videos. Yeah, I've seen a couple of articles. There was one on on Motherboard that was pretty decent about yeah. looking at, hey, like, fair enough. I see why you've you done this. You don't want your content to be associated with the dude. This is not the way to do it. No, because this goes into a whole... This can have long-standing yeah. uh, repercussions yeah. for everyone. Well, like, Jim Sterling, who has, you know, long been in the trenches on this DMC yeah. issue... Uh, frequently points out the idea that the reason that these DMCA things are like you haven't seen the big court case yet is because no one wants to set the precedent on either side. Developers don't want to go into the big court case on the DMCA thing because they're afraid if they are ruled against that is the precedent going forward Mm -hmm. and content creators don't want to defend DMCA strikes a lot of the time because they're afraid that the precedent will be set in their favor now what's interesting will be the the the, I think the furthest a DMCA case has ever gotten uh, at least a, a much publicized one is the um Alex Maurer situation with Star Mazer DSP. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to get back into that again because that's something we talked about for fucking weeks in the show a yeah. couple of months ago. But that, the way that was going down, that has all the potential to lead into creating a precedent for this exact thing. The Jim Sterling digital homicide lawsuit is a different thing because it's DMCA strikes, but it's rather than accusations of we don't we don't like what you said there was like slander accusations it was less about the dmca and it was the lawsuit for 10 million dollars worth of personal damages mm-hmm. that just stemmed from the dmca strike rather than a lawsuit actually about the digital millennium copyright act um 
So, yeah, like I said, a plague on both their houses. People shouldn't be review bombing a good game. There should be more open, constructive criticism. People should have been just saying to Sean Vadim, like, we understand that you're angry and you don't want your content to be associated with this person, but at the same time, not the right way to go about it. You could start off by asking him to remove the videos. You could even send out a cease and desist or something like that. Going down the DMCA route is not only a misuse of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, but again, also, you don't want to tempt uh, the precedent being set. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Eurogamer article that came out about it, um, there was a comment, I think it was like the third comment down, which I greatly enjoyed, which was just, here's another reason why no one takes the gaming community seriously. Yeah. Um, now, part of this, again, you just mentioned there, about Steam and them trying to find ways to curate these kinds of issues without actually using people. And funnily enough, do you know who else does that? YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Which is part of this problem as well. Now. <laughs> and we've Because done this, YouTube automates that system, it's we, why people think they can just arbitrarily do these we've things. We've done this before, where, where we've spoken about this. You have to look at it at both sides. Mm-hmm. Because on one side, you've got a platform like YouTube that is, has however many hundreds of thousands of videos uploaded in a day you have steam where you have hundreds of games uploaded in a single day and you possibly can employ enough people to curate and you know look out for this kind of shit mm-hmm. but it's a significant amount of people which maybe isn't financially a viable option Maybe for YouTube, maybe for Google, maybe not for Steam and Valve. Who knows? Um, there are certain things you can do. You can, you know, from account to account, if you see that an account is just reviewing every game poorly, yeah. you can take that into consideration and maybe revoke their rights to do so. Um if you are seeing that a game is being carpet bomb, you know, if you see that a game is just getting like every kind of zero and one, one star reviews in, in the span of a day, um, maybe restrict the access for people to do that because obviously there is a reason why that's happening. Um, maybe it's a case of, you know, certain words are restricted from being able to, to be used. If you see those words in a review that just, null and voids the review straight away you know there are some automated processes that maybe should be used though again i can see where you come from free speech blah 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 although as we always say free speech sure it's a right doesn't mean it gives you the right to be a dickhead about it mm-hmm. i think that's what it says in the first amendment i think it says a bit about <laughs> something like being that a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so sure uh again steam it's not that they're not doing anything but their approaches are typically lackluster. Um, but there's no easy, quick fix. I will always appreciate that. Uh, certainly from the, the line of work I'm in, there is no quick and easy fix because you, you tip something one way too far in one direction and, you know, the whole thing comes crashing yeah. over. But then I, I think as well, like I think to, to close it out, I think at the end of the day, um, if you're the platform holder, it's too hard isn't really an excuse no. oh, God, no. <laughs> you know um but anyway uh, moving on mark i'm gonna sit back here and you're gonna tell me you had the special privilege of 
going out of your way for reasons best known to yourself to watch Sony's presentation at the Tokyo Game Show. Well, I mean, remember, I work from home, so, yeah. you know, like yeah. at 8 o'clock in the morning, I ain't yeah. really got any pressure on me. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, the, the Tokyo Game Show is on, and it's the PlayStation conference. Oh, fuck it, why not? I'll watch it. Tell me, what did you learn? It's so... Oh, ja- a whole lot of Monster Hunter, I it guess. It's so Japanese. Yeah, there's a lot of Monster Hunter, so I switched off for those bits. Um, people are happy. I, I've... I've I've gleamed that Monster Hunter people are super hyped yeah, for that Yeah, people that like Monster Hunter seem to be really looking forward to that. So good for them. I'm happy for them. Uh, Final Fantasy IX has been released for PS4. Just fucking straight Just up dropped us. Out of the fucking blue. Um, I kind of want to play that game. But, you know, I've just sunk 80 hours into Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And I now have Mario Rabbids and Metroid. Mm-hmm. And, you and know, we're about to head into busy season. Yeah, so... We're about to head into that... Jesus, October is just giving me chills thinking mm. about it. Mario, Wolfenstein, Shadow of War. What was the fourth one? Assassin's Creed, which everyone keeps forgetting. Fuck that. <laughs> That's out the same day as one of those things. I think that's saying there's three of those. I think one of them moved. Uh, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be sure. Uh, there is a Zone of the Enders remake coming to PS4 with <laughs> yeah. PSVR support. Yeah, that's it. We knew Zone of the Enders that they had announced that they were doing something with Zone of the Enders. Yeah. But uh, I saw a tweet from from Austin Walker about, "Hey, I'm just gonna go to bed." I was like. As wake up, Zone of the Enders yeah. VR support. What? Just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Left Alive is a game uh, from veteran Metal Gear and Gundam developers, um, and it also has cool artwork that is yeah. kind of reminiscent of the um, like peer, uh, the the Metal Gear kind Cover of box art. So that looks really cool. Uh, there was some more stuff about Nino Cooney. That's looking really good. Um, there was a Call of Duty World War Two trailer, which was just really fucking weird because it's just, it was—it's the story trailer, isn't it? Yeah, but it was in Japanese. Yeah, and it's like the most Western game as well. And I imagine the Japanese not eager to talk about the Second World no. War. No, so that was really fucking weird. Yeah, although at least I think, unless I've missed out, it, it might be in his DLC. But I'm pretty sure that game is all set on the Western Front. Uh, I haven't seen anything about the war in the Pacific in the 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 few bits and pieces I've seen of it. I but again, no it, it could easily be DLC. I just uh, who knows? I don't know. Battle uh, of Midway seems like a thing that might be a DLC package. Anyway, yeah, continue. Anyway. Sorry. Uh, there was a couple of um, uh, hardware editions, uh, special editions. Um, there was a really ugly ass looking kind of camo looking PS4 that just looks hideous. Sometimes they hit on really good color schemes or designs for a special PS4, and sometimes that they one, miss the no. mark wildly. No, uh, like the, I, I love my deep blue DualShock Four, the one I got with Uncharted. Yeah, I really like that thing. But a lot of the ones, do you remember the first special edition PS4 I had? No, the first. Well, one. Sorry, one of the first ones that came with a. Like, that was themed after one game. So they had the Batman one, which is awesome. The mm-hmm. silver one, which is Batman's silhouette on it. Okay. That was cool. The Destiny 1, even though I don't like Destiny 1, that special edition console was... Ba- Do you remember the Star Wars Battlefront one? Nope. That's just Darth Vader's fucking head. Okay. <laughs> just, just, if you look that thing up, it's, oh my god, it's horrific. I think there was a Persona 5 one that looked looked pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. The, the camo PS4, it looks like... Metal Gear Solid one. Oh. The, the, the camo PS4... Uh, console looks like something that 
um, you would have in your room if you're still listening to the Papa Roach, the original Papa Roach album in 2017. And aren't we all? No, no, we're not. <laughs> There's also a GT Sport PS4. Uh, it was a couple other things announced, but you know, a lot oh, of it again was that, very, that very. Gran Turismo one looks pretty nice as well. It's pretty simple, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. They replaced the the PS button with a GT button, I think, haven't they? On the DualShock. Um, so that's that pretty much it. Like the- no, it's never been a big like unless there's a huge Japanese game coming out. No, but they, there was people bitching about it. It's like, well, you've got PSX coming up in, what, November, I think? Paris? Has Paris Games Week happened yet? Some bit, no, I don't think so. So, yeah, shut the fuck up. Just... Yeah. Um, moving swiftly on. Speaking of uh, conferences... Oh, yes. We yeah, had so we switch pretty, happened pretty just much after like we recorded. F- yeah, pretty much right after we recorded, that evening. Like, I don't think I moved from here. Uh, we wrapped up recording. We had about an hour, and then this started. We had a Nintendo Direct, um, and I- I'm just gonna go through a list of stuff here. So we had a oh, Jesus, a lot of 3DS stuff. Like for a console that, in theory, they should be moving people off, or at least starting to wean nope. it down. No, nope. nope. going strong. I suppose there's still there's still a huge install base for that thing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they had. Um, a lot of Pokemon stuff uh, up first. There's a special Pokemon-themed new 2DS XL launching in November. Whatever. Um, 3DS version of Minecraft announced because Minecraft wasn't on enough devices. I think my kettle gets Minecraft now. Well, it definitely plays the original Doom. It I definitely that. does. Um, it's definitely rivaling Doom for oh, just yeah. being able to find it on anything. Um, and it just came out straight away. That was a cool yep. little thing. Um, and also, that's having being a guy who plays Minecraft on and off, it's cool to have the two screens for it, to be able to have the map on the bottom, because I hate having to hold the map yeah. up to my face, and then a creeper blows me up. I do really appreciate this new thing with developers and companies of just announcing a game and then going, oh, by the way, go and download it, it's free now, go and get it, or it's, yeah. it's available now. Yeah. Good for games, not for hardware, Sega Saturn. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, touche. Um, we're about to have a Mario Party party as well because there's a, a collection <laughs> of uh, 100 oh. of the greatest mini games from Mario Party's long and storied history uh, coming to the 3DS. They finally, they they finally listened to Gersman. You know, they got yeah. rid of all the bullshit. Although I guarantee they're just going to repeat the same four mini games over and over again and possibly drive fucking insane. Um. After that, there's uh, we had like a montage of like new colors for the the 2ds XL and the 2ds XL. Now that it has a model that that folds over, uh, some of them look pretty cool. If I was, if this was three or four years ago, that's exactly what I would have gone for. Because if I you had a child, a, I could. Well, I could give a fuck about the 3D. I could. Yeah. I never give a shit about the 3D. If I could have a 2ds XL that didn't look like a doorstop, I would have got one. The entire time I've had a 3ds, this is how I've used 3D. I've gone. Oh, yeah, that's in 3D. Off it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I try it once for every game, yep. uh, and then I'm done with it. Yep, I tried using it for Star Fox and went, no, nah, this just yeah. makes it more unplayable. And mine's not the one... Do, do you remember there was a later mod? Like it was the, yeah, it was the new 3DS XL had, uh, had improved tracking, so that no matter where you tilted the screen, it still looked like it was in 3D. Oh, okay, I've got the older but one. But yeah, our ones, like mine is the Link Between Worlds one, and yours is just OG 3DS, yep. isn't it? You don't have an XL. Uh, No, mine okay. is... I think mine's an XL. Is it? Yeah, because I had the original 3D and then I got the 3D XL. So maybe oh, it could be that I just I'd never used the 3D on the 3D XL. So I don't actually know if it has the tr- better tracking or not. I, I think it's only the new one, the one that 
pretty much only that Xenoblade game was. Oh, the one with the, the same buttons the one, on it. Yeah, with, yeah, the, okay. with the improved uh, right. processing and, and things like that. Um, Nintendo Switch open world RPG Xenoblade Chronicles 2 gets release date special edition. That looks pretty good. Um, this will be your first massive hardcore um japanese rpg on the um on the switch i wouldn't i wouldn't class breath of the wild as one it's way more western influence than than jrpg influence so xenoblade is where and you know what until i saw that it's it's turn-based combat i was interested in it and i just i just can't do turn-based combat anymore mark unless it's a pokemon game i just can't do it um fire emblem warriors uh adds fan favorite character we've got a new kirby game coming to the 3ds as well as the kirby game that's coming out it's next always year. a fucking kirby game on the hey way. i fucking love kirby man don't you shit talk kirby uh, well, he's a cool dude i did play the the wii u one and it was yeah that's not you reviewed that for us i did yeah i yeah. did and it was okay it wasn't quite what was that what was that called uh taste of rainbow or something i don't know <laughs> kirby colon skittles kirby love skittles yeah yeah, it wasn't quite... Canvas Curse was the good one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was similar to that, I think. Rainbow Curse. Rainbow that Curse, it. that was yeah, the one. there you go. Because I knew it was a, quote-unquote, sequel to Canvas uh, Curse. I couldn't just remember. Uh, the Switch is adding arcade game ports, including Super Mario Brothers, uh, Versus Balloon Fight, uh, the original Punch-Out, things like that. But it's it, they're not counting it as Virtual Console. Okay. <laughs> Um, the champion amiibos for um the for Breath of the Wild were shown off, and kind of the things they unlock in the game were shown. Still not interested in amiibos. No, but you did like there was a couple of amiibos during this. Year. That looks cool. Yeah, you're still sure. not rushing out to buy them. No, there is one I'm rushing out to buy. Is it a dog? No, it's fucking Tux wearing Bowser. All right. <laughs> God damn, I want that Bowser amiibo. No, it's I'll so tell you good. What, it's I tell you what, so good. I tell you what, if they have Tux wearing Bowser in the Mercedes Benz as an amiibo, yeah, yeah. I will probably get that one. Uh, we've got Skyrim. More stuff on Skyrim. Skyrim Skyrim's is a thing that's happening. Locked in, it's coming out. Here was the one two punch <laughs> that I was not fucking <laughs> expecting Doom 2016, Doom 4. Just coming to the Switch next year. Yep. And so is Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, the yep. new Wolfenstein game. Now, also, that's not coming until 2018, but still, it's, it's fucking it's coming. coming to the Switch. Yeah, Bethesda seemed to be proper, like, let's shove all our shit on that with Skyrim. Yeah. Like, that, do you know what would be absolutely wild is if next they tried to put a Fallout game on there? Then I would be completely bowled over. I, you know what would be even weirder? If it actually fucking works at release. Yeah. <laughs> Which is more you can say for the PlayStation version, uh-huh. let me tell you. Yeah, I fucking just if it, if it was out day and date with the other platforms i would be tempted to hold off on wolfenstein and maybe now from what i've read it's not gonna be you know as completely at the same level in terms oh, no, of it couldn't be technical capabilities right. whatnot of, of and the PS4 they're breaking and off some of doom the snap map multiplayer stuff is not going to be on the cartridge with doom it's yeah. a separate downloadable which, which is I won't be downloading exactly. if I ever owned Doom on, yeah. on Switch because I didn't care for that. That's the that's the part of the game that we played before the story and went, oh but no. But you know what? what? You know what? If I uh, ever have to commute to work again, you're fucking right. I want to play some Doom on the train. Yeah, you're damn right, man. That's very, very promising. Here's one that you played a little bit of and you, you can maybe talk about. Um, a Switch demo came that day for exclusive Square Enix RPG 
that Mark thinks is very cool, but has uh, you hadn't you did not know that this was the name of this thing. No, this had avoided this had evaded you. I still so many people still baffled that this is the name for an actual. If you ask me to tell you what the name of the game is, I actually couldn't tell you. It is called Project Octopath Traveler. That's the one. How is that? How very Japanese. It's cool. Um, So straight away. The, the visual style of it is this kind of 2.5 HD retro looking motherfucker that I'm all about. Um, but it has some kind of nice particle effects and stuff that's more, you know, contemporary, modern. Uh-huh. Um, it The architecture and, and the environment stuff in the game reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy VI, which is my go-to Final Fantasy game. Uh, the, the orchestral score is fucking... I'm all about that. Um, the combat is is pretty kind of standard for a an RPG. Uh, it's very turn based, but you have this kind of charge limit that builds up, and you can, if you like, hold back on an at- attack, or if you don't use the actual charge limits, you can get up to like four, and then if you mm-hmm. use all four at once, it kind of gives you like a super attack. And like, I think each of the the eight characters has their own kind of unique abilities. Uh, there was only two available in the demo. Only played one of them, and his unique ability just seemed to be that he could like beat the shit out of his own villagers and whatnot. So that was weird. But yeah, I'm, I I played about two hours of it, and I was thinking, you know what, I will probably get this when it comes out. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's got you on board. It's got me on board. Yeah. Um, moving on, we have um we had a big look at a uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and that game just fills me with with childlike wonder. Uh, I'm so excited for this game to come out. It looks absolutely bananas. Mario so bright, nipples. so flash, fun. Flash fire. Mario like, nipples. Oh there's a dog. There's a dog. And dogs are so good. Um, And there's a photo mode where you can freeze in midair. They showed a couple of examples of that. And you can kind of pivot around and take some entertaining pictures of Mario. Uh, and there's a, a an Odyssey Switch bundle that has uh, red Joy-Cons. Um. So you might want to get on that if you're looking to get on board of the Switch train. You've got your bundle now to get a digital copy of Mario and your your red Joy-Cons there. Uh, Some other news coming out of it uh, really quickly. Uh, Kirby Star Allies is the name of that uh, previously untitled Kirby game that's coming out in uh, spring 2018. Uh, Looks like a fun and charming Kirby game, which is exactly what I want for Kirby. Kirby. Um, Splatoon 2 getting more updates one of which is the returning map uh, Kelp Dome yep I remember that, that arrives good, September good 15th so it's out already uh, as part of the free update additionally another say, stage Snapper Canal and a new Brella weapon called Tentabrella will launch in the future cool um, an update for ARMS came down the pipe with uh, Lola Pop a new character um I think a new arena for her and uh, additionally and this is a really welcome update full remappability for the controls yeah that's really cool yeah uh, not only for people who are just annoyed by where buttons are if it's not where they want them to be for a fighting game but just for people who are disabled in some way that can't use all the buttons yeah because on... the one thing um when using the uh, pro controller is the, the the just the way the face buttons are aligned? Like I was thinking, if I could change these mm-hmm. to, to my preference, yeah, um, it would you wouldn't have to be thinking about like where they're actually yeah. mapped on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, snipper clips plus. I was super excited. So there's more snipper clips coming. Uh, you can either buy it a snipper clips plus, which will be the original snipper clips plus all the new stuff. Or you can pay ten dollars for the DLC purchase of all the new snipper clip stuff. Snipper clips 
genuinely one of my favorite games uh, I've played this year. Such simple, fun, and sometimes maddeningly frustrating uh, co-op entertainment for people all ages as well. That's that's one of the great things about that game. NBA 2K18 for Switch launches on the eShop September 15th with a physical release in stores on October 17th. That's a weird gap of just over a month between digital and physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, FIFA 18 is coming to Switch on September 29th, which I think is day and date with every other platform. Do you know what? Part of me might be tempted to get that. I probably won't. Yeah. But if I was going to get it, I It'd would be on prob- Switch. I would get it on the Switch. Because um, I, re- I really like the idea of just just popping on a football just, game. I can just fucking turn on my Switch there next See, to me. I'm burned on handheld football games because I had a Pro Evo game on my PSP, and it took longer than the game to load. Like it took longer than a game than the length of time it would yeah, take to play a game to load the game. But this is the Switch. Now it looked good. This is as the a Switch lot of what the PSP did, but exactly. You know, you, know you, you you do not compare the PSP to the Switch. <laughs> uh, WWE 2K18 is on its way for Switch as well. Be cool. Still might be. Would be nice if I could know what the fucking game was. No release date for it though. Do you know so. what? Do you know what? It could be a fucking match three game for all I care at this point. Uh, this this next game here is, is Morphe's quite Law. Morphe's Law is this. <laughs> what? M- this fucking thing such a fucking weird and also kind of cool concept for a game it's a shooter um but if you land a shot it transfers the mass from your foe to the attacker so if we were playing mark and i shot you in the head your head would get smaller but mine would get larger which i was pointing out to you like that's a really interesting way to balance a shooter for Mm. people of different skill levels because the better you are obviously the more you're going to shoot people but that means the bigger a target you're going to become because you're shooting everybody yeah Um, i'm really curious to know how the strategy that like if this game is in any way like if it if it works and yeah. if the minute to minute gameplay is fun, you could see some very interesting strategies coming out of this. Though game. I'm worried how this will do on a platform that also has Splatoon. Yeah, yeah, I I think this will be a, a much smaller affair, mm. kind of like your fast racing, sure. Neo level. Yeah, kind but of a... it doesn't have an F zero to worry about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, definitely doesn't. No. Um, Arena of Valor, which is a new free to play MOBA. So okay. I don't know if you're aware how fucking big Arena of Valor uh, oh, is. Uh, like, the two of us were like, what the fuck is this? And then, like, we started scrolling on Twitter, and was like, oh, it's, it's like, real fucking big. It's, like, real, real fucking big. Yeah. And considering that they've announced that uh, the Switch is coming out in South Korea, mm-hmm. um, and um, Nintendo making inroads with China and whatnot, like, they are about prime to make some serious fucking coin yeah you know damn right good business strategy from nintendo not a thing i think i i I say that often i'll tell you what the one thing that is missing here from the switch that i'm still wondering why it's not stardew valley no well yes stardew valley where the fuck is it um no gang beasts Oh, man. Well, we need gang beasts because gang beasts is supposed to be coming out on ps4 as well if there was a console right for gang beasts that was perfect for gang beasts uh Anyway, uh, there's loads more 3DS stuff. Professor Layton, Yokai Watch 2, uh, Shimagai Tensei, Strange Journey, Redux, uh, things like that. But a whole kind of the, bunch of stuff I'm not interested yeah, in. Yeah, that was the, uh, the, the kind of the, the but main re- thrust of it. Really? Like, for anyone that's thinking that the 3DS was going to be dead after the arrival of the Switch. <laughs> no, incorrect. Uh, moving on. Uh, for a moment recently, this was a real kind of, this is less about the developer involved and more just about Sony being ridiculous and belligerent. For a brief shimmering moment, Fortnite had cross-platform online play <laughs> between Xbox and PlayStation. Did you not hear about this? I did hear about this. Yeah. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Oh my so, god. So, 
someone flicked a switch and stopped whatever it is, whatever code blocks Xbox players from playing with PS4 players, and everybody was it was there was world peace. People were holding hands, picking flowers, and then uh, Sony got uppity and the the wall came down again. Mark, it's just. In a year where Sony have been repeatedly dogged by stories about what arses they're being about cross-platform play, this is the last thing they needed was for someone to accidentally show how lovely it could be. Like, look, Sony, I know that you still think there's some sort of arms race going on here or that there's still some sort of, you know, competition, but there's not. Microsoft have no fucking games. You're, you're fine. You're in the lead. You're doing fine. Just give the people cross-play. Just make them happy. Let me play Rocket League against someone on Xbox One. Yeah. The, come on. Come on now. You're being dickheads for the sake of it. Speaking of no competition whatsoever. Oh, boy. Battleborn is dead. No. No, let, let's, let's not talk... Battleborn is irrelevant, right? Yeah. Let's, it always was. It always That's was. That's the point. Let's talk about the real fucking thing here. One Randall Pitchford. Randall goddamn Pitchford. Well, we did talk about him a little bit on the show last week because you came in with the late breaking news about him, if I oh, remember Oh, yes, correctly. I did. There was the tweet, yeah. So the, the, we talked about his Aliens Colonial Marines garbage. Uh-huh. We still insist that game was good. Like, we can't see with our faces. Yeah, but so he followed up with, when talking about Battleborn, by saying that um, this is this line of a Battleborn. It's such a slayed me. It's such a self-own. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's Ian Miles Cheong levels of self-ownage. In that Overwatch was never competition for Battleborn, which yeah, then yeah, you immediately go, all right then. So why Battleborn, did Battleborn fail because it was terrible. Then. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it what was announced just... that uh, Gearbox won't update Battleborn after the autumn. Yeah. Uh, to the surprise of nobody, they were. Pr- practically begging people to take that game when they bought new hardware in GameStop. Well, it went, and that was months it ago. It went free-to-play as well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, was that, or was that Evolve? Evolve. Evolve went free-to-play. I feel like Battleborn went free-to-play. Or they just know, Or they were just, just literally giving it away. Yeah. It was just free. They were paying me to play it. <laughs> uh, it came out in May 2016, uh, <sighs> so they stuck with it for a year and a half. Um... And it pretty much they're redirecting all the resources onto the um, the the beleaguered Borderlands sequel. Um, oh there's a yeah, a lot of that's a lot um, of talk, a lot of uh, hearsay about that being a very troubled production over at Gearbox, yeah. the next Borderlands game. Um, and I think the last we'd heard on that was that Telltale were basically sitting around on their hands going, "We'd love to make another Tales from Borderlands game, but no one has any fucking idea what they want to do with Borderlands." Yeah, I you know what, right? I really like. A lot of things about the Borderlands series. The aesthetic is the aesthetic been great. The the general humour I've enjoyed. Yeah. But I always found after about five and or handsome six Jack, of course. Handsome Jack, obviously. I always found after about five or six hours that I'd had my fill with, with Borderlands, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It just it got it's too grindy for my likings. Yeah. Um and I don't know what a third Borderlands will do that I didn't get out of the first two. Yeah, I think all we've all we've really seen um, still is like we saw a couple of images, didn't we? Of I something in anything. the Borderlands universe. I'm pretty sure. Um, I I might be it might be some sort of fever dream I had, but uh, I feel like we've seen a couple of shots and nothing else, and kind of them just going, yeah, Borderlands Three is being made, but 
yeah, a lot of a lot of talk that that's been a more troubled production than you might have thought for the the real cash cow down there at Gearbox. Well, if Randall would shut the fuck up and stop slating everyone, <laughs> maybe indeed, just maybe. Uh, Mark, we're going to go on to the uh, our, our core feature on the on the podcast every week, which is the the link to the cast book club, where we talk about an, an important, a significant game from the past that either you you should play if you haven't already, or you should revisit if it's been a while. Um, and this week we're going all the way back to the the Super Nintendo, and we're going to talk about a little racing game called F Zero. Zero is a futuristic racing video game developed by Nintendo EAD and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. The game was released in Japan on November the 21st, 1990, in North America in August 1991, and in Europe in 1992. F-Zero is the first game of the F-Zero series and was one of the two launch titles for the SNES in Japan, but was accompanied by additional initial titles in North America and Europe. It was re-released for the Virtual Console service on the Wii in late 2006, the Wii U in early 2013, and on the new Nintendo 3DS in early 2016. It is planned to be re-released on the Super NES Classic Edition. The game takes place in the year 2560, where multi-billionaires with lethargic lifestyles created a new form of entertainment based on the Formula 1 races called F-Zero. The player can choose between one of four characters in the game, each with their respective hovercar. The player can then race against computer-controlled characters in 15 tracks divided into three leagues. F-Zero is acknowledged by critics to be the game that set a standard for the racing genre and the creation of its futuristic subgenre. Critics lauded F-Zero for its fast and challenging gameplay, variety of tracks, and extensive use of the graphical mode called Mode 7. This graphics rendering technique was an innovative technological achievement at a time that made racing games more realistic, the first of which was F-Zero. As a result, IGN credited it for reinvigorating the genre and inspiring the future creation of numerous racing games. In retrospective reviews of the game, critics agreed that it should have used a multiplayer mode. F-Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I played a whole lot of this game when I was growing up. Uh, I had this... And the obvious comparison to make is Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart for the SNES. Because mm-hmm. they were the the two big racing games of the time for that console. Yeah. And they serve very different masters. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, throughout the years, and certainly when you look at the 
um, games that they inspired going forward, they both have very different things that they're trying to do within being a racing game. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll find certainly that the the purists, those that just want the real kind of skill and challenge of a racing game, will look towards the F-Zero series, yeah. mainly because of the lack of power-ups. Yeah. Um, and also just the way that you know the game feels and the courses are designed. Mm-hmm. But we'll come on to that a little bit. I'll start with you and ask you, what is your experience? <laughs> this won't take long. No? Okay. Uh, only really ever played this game a couple of times. I think I've, I've gone on record um, on the show as to say that I, I, I wasn't uh, a Super Nintendo owner at the time. It was only kind of much later that I got a, a, a SNES second hand and started revisiting a bunch of stuff. But F-Zero was one that I, I never owned it. Played it. I, I have distinct fuzzy memories of, of playing it a, a few times with my cousins uh, on, on their SNES. Um, but outside of that, F-Zero X is where I come on board. You poor soul. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, I... I I have a lot of abiding respect for the game because in spite of the fact that I haven't played it a lot, I understand its importance in, in what it does uh, graphically um, and also what it did for the the, the SNES at launch because um, I think one of the, the real stories behind F-Zero is that really, really fucking razor-tight development cycle of I think it was about 15 months for the game because, God, fuck, were they determined to get that thing at launch for yeah. the SNES um and also um i think you mentioned a little there in in the intro that it really has a lot of um um it, it was important in creating that kind of futuristic racer genre that has become very popular to this day with the likes of fast remix that i'm a big fan of that's a much more i suppose blatant rip off of f0 than some others but kind of the the sci-fi racer did become a popular subgenre. Yeah, for a you while could call it the kind of branches from. You could call it the sci-fi racer. You could call it like the the speed racer or yeah, yeah. Yeah, futuristic speed racer, like that wipeout extreme G. Mm-hmm. Uh, all games that I'm I'm a big fan of, but also Mute City's theme is a banger. It. <laughs> I mean, if you're wondering what I'll probably use as the themes uh, yeah, on, this I week. had no doubt. Yeah, my friend, I've um, been humming it around here all day. Yeah. I remember being... Um, I suppose, actually, the F-Zero course I've played the most is the Mario Kart 8 Mute City. <laughs> oh, there you go. But I remember being... Um, God, I would have been about five, I think, at the time. And just sitting down. And, you know, games at that point were real bright and colourful and chunky and blocky. And then this motherfucking thing came along and was just... I'd never... Uh, played a game at this point that really showcased or gave the the, the illusion of speed mm. um, and even to this day and we've said this about a number of SNES games but so many of those SNES games have a timeless feel to them that mm. even like I'm sure the original Wipeout on the PlayStation is playable yeah. Um, but I don't think that that game would still give the perception of speed in a way that F-Zero manages to do a number of years prior. Mm. Um, part of the reason behind that is the aforementioned Mode 7, which is um, it's kind of a, a background technique where you have seven different layers and you 
can give you the the perception of kind of depth and, and backgrounds and details and using that with the car going forward and the speed it goes forward uh it gives the perception basically that you're going a lot faster than you actually are um mm. and you know uh that combined with the way that the tracks are designed you know a lot of the tracks are very tight very uh narrow very uh, you have to be very kind of focused on taking these tight corners and these chicanes, you know. Um, this and Super Mario Kart are d- two of my favorite games on the Super Nintendo, but I have a real appreciation for diff- different reasons. And if I was to go back to one of them, it probably would be F Zero, partly because going back to Super Mario Kart after playing like any of the the newer Mario Kart games is really really difficult because mm-hmm. it handles in a way that none of the others yeah, do. Yeah, it doesn't. It really really doesn't. I I actually recently the, the last time I played both F Zero and um, Super Mario Kart was in San Francisco. There's oh a, <clears throat> cool. It's a bar called Soda Popinski's. Yeah. Uh, after the the Super Punch Out uh, character Soda Popinski and um, I uh, in there they have a snes on the on the wall and they had super mario Kart. they had one of the two of them plugged in when i got in there and they have just a basket full of cartridges so i played both of them there and i hadn't played either of them in in many years and uh yeah super mario Kart in particular is just like fucking hell my god like i'm just going flying all over the place yeah like promising my girlfriend i'm not actually this bad at mario (laughs) Kart. um but the thing with with mario Kart is Though there's a, a level of memorization to some of the tracks, mm. they're very, very open. Um, and it's more about that, you know, you're using weapons and shells to try and get ahead. But with with F-Zero, it all comes down to track memorization. And again, this mm. would go forward with, with Wipeout, uh, certainly the new Wipeout. Um, not so much about, I'm not sure about fast racing because I haven't really played a lot of fast racing. But you can probably tell me that, you know, if you want to... Um, nail some of those tracks. You need to be like knowing two corners ahead. What's yeah, you need to up. know the corners, and you need to know the pattern of the those boost strips that you have to change your your yeah. tail like all over. Yeah, oh, there is sure. a lot of memorization goes into it. Uh, now, in fairness, Mario Kart Eight on two hundred TC falls into that category as well. Uh-huh. Certainly for Big Blue and Mute City in uh, particular. Um, and so like certainly playing it now. You know, if you go back from this, if you've never played it before and you go back and play it now, uh, it is one of those games where, you know, when people like, oh, fucking gamers today, a bunch of pussies, they can't fucking handle anything from like 1992. Mm. F-Zero is one of those games where you can kind of make a case for it. Although, in fairness, later F-Zero games would ramp up that difficulty tenfold. Mm -hmm. In particular, F-Zero X uh, is just fucking a nightmare of a game yeah. um, that I don't particularly enjoy playing uh, because of that. Like, story-wise, there's nothing there. It's not what the game's about. It's pure yeah, racing. back before you, people put a lot of heft into story in games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pure just the so, challenge in the courses, in memorizing them. Um, and it's it's also the, 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 the kind of t- to show off what for the time was the graphical powerhouse of the the NES, yeah, the SNES with that uh, that mode seven, the um, the artificial three D rendering 
um, which at the time, like we, we take it for granted now that we have real as opposed to artificial 3D, but just the, the idea and the ingenuity, I think as well, that goes into that, like you're keeping your, your avatar, your, your, your racer in this case, in the center of the screen and you're, you're artificially creating three dimensions by whipping the, the surroundings around that, that centerpiece is just yeah, mind blowing because they would use, um, the the mode seven mechanic uh, in a very similar way in uh, Super Star Wars, mm-hmm. I think that was the name of it. But Star Wars for the Super Super Nintendo it definitely was a Super Star Wars. That that sounds familiar. Because the second level, you're in um, a, a a pod basically, and you're flying around, and it looks very very similar to uh, F Zero, but it doesn't have the the tightness. Um, I mean, it's not designed for that in mind. Yeah. Um, but you can see where definitely they would apply that in. I mean, they use it for uh, Super Mario Kart, it's in mm-hmm. Pilot Wings, Super Castlevania. Um, they they got a fair bit of use out of it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Like it's there's not a lot to say to it because it's it's a very basic game in terms of uh, its modes, um, what you yeah. can do. Uh, but there is a significant challenge there as you get further into some of the later courses and you unlock the 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 uh the most difficult mode because there's uh knight queen and king i think it was and then there's one more mode afterwards to unlock and it, that game gets rough um but yeah it's it's definitely like if you've never played it mm. i mean there's numerous ways to play it um and it's worth just spending a couple of hours and is it on the snes classic it is on the snes classic mm. yes it is slated so for I, release. I, I will be playing that then. In a I'm few sure weeks, whenever that second wave comes out, I'm sure we can we can have a few rounds on that. Yeah. So yeah, that's F Zero. Not really too much to say, but it is classic. Yeah, um, worth pointing out to people. Um, an important one, like a you know a launch game for what was a pretty successful and beloved console. Uh, and like I said, that that first foray into that artificial 3D that the the Super Nintendo generation was known a, for, and a banging soundtrack. Again, yes, a banging soundtrack. Well, Mark, I I guess we've just got one bit of business left to attend to, and that's for me to announce our game for next week. And again, it's one of those cases where it's a game that I in my head I feel like we've covered 83 episodes in. It's hard to remember the ones we have and haven't, but a cursory. So I, to the point where I actually, for the first time in a long time, had to search our website to see any occurrences <laughs> of this game's name to make sure we haven't done it as a, as a game of the week for the book club. Um, and for episode 84, it's going to be a pretty special one uh, because we're going to go back, not too far back, only to the year, and I think as soon as I say the year, you'll probably realize what game I'm talking about, and that is the year 2010. Okay. I was trying to see if the penny dropped immediately there, because for episode 84, my friend, we are going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption. Have we not fucking done Red Dead yet? Nope. According to the the search function on our website, we've talked about it on, I think, three different podcasts around the time probably it came out on Xbox One, and we haven't actually done Red Dead Redemption. So episode 84, Red Dead Redemption. I'm surprised, not only am I surprised I didn't do it with you, I'm surprised I didn't do it with Brian either when um he was hosting the show because he's a big red dead fan also so episode 84 red dead redemption check that out next week that's gonna be a big one i, I think we might have to trim the news for that because possibly I, so you both have a lot of things to say about that game um a lot of praise coming in for that um 
that's going to do it for episode 83 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe to us there. Rate, review, tell a friend. All of it helps. The website is linktothecast.eu where you can see show notes, things like that. You can do search functions like I did this week to go, did they do that game? Um, and find out what episode it was and go back and listen to it if that's the case. Uh, we love those numbers. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, drop us an email, linktothecast at gmail.com. Social media, the most reliable way to hear back from myself or Mark. We kind of stay across that most of the day. Facebook.com forward slash linktothecast and at linktothecast on Twitter. Individually, I'm at Dave Ryan IV. Mark is at Lithium Project. Uh, we stream some video games from time to time over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. Archive them later then on YouTube. Just search for link to the cast on there, either as all one word or separately, whichever way you prefer. The weekly video schedule when we are up and uh, fully available to do so is that on Monday we start with Mark on Mondays. Mark, you had a Mark on Monday this week. My phone buzzed to let me know that YouTube had posted something. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I played a bit down well mm. from the PS4. You were down that well? I was actually like the farthest I've ever been on that game, I got to what I presume is like the final boss, mm. and he destroyed me. It's a really good game. Mm. Uh, definitely check it out if you've not seen it before. Uh, Wednesday, uh, generally, but uh, not for the, the last little while, and probably not next week either because you're away for the weekend. But uh, coming back soon, and still plenty of videos in the series up there, is Retro Corner 64, which is a series where we've been uh, looking at every single game released in English-speaking territories for the Nintendo 64. So there are some gems, and there are some absolute howlers on there already so far, and that's just the quality of the ROMs. Uh, Thursday is the day this podcast gets released. It's the only thing that comes out that day, because, you know, it's long enough. We, we put... We put so much sweat, blood, tears, the whole lot into it, piss as well, um, into that podcast. And uh, it's the, you know, it's it's all that needs to come out on Thursday, really. Friday, we finish off the week of Friday of Plays. We're on hiatus at the moment for a couple of weeks. Well, I really, honestly, Mark, I'm really try- struggling to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do next. Because <laughs> normally my backlog is bad enough that I have at least one or two good, like, semi-story-based games that are interesting for a Let's Play. Yeah. But I've done some dynamite work over the summer on my backlog, and it's gen generally pretty clear at the moment. I'm I'm pretty surprised at myself. Like last year, it was a waking nightmare the amount of games I had, uh, incomplete, uh, incomplete. Have you played Night in the Woods yet? Yeah, you have. Yeah, I've played about third of it. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't going to do that as a let's play anyway because you'd already. I did like for, two episodes. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna do it for this week on Link to Cast episode eighty three in the bag. Um, I've been Dave Ryan. The man over there has been Mark Robinson. And uh, let's let's close this show at a relatively reasonable hour for once. Do 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 do.